Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. Asking for help is the hardest thing for a guy to do because we identify it as a moment of weakness. But that's a that's a lie. That's a lie that we tell ourselves. It is actually such a moment of courage because what you're doing in that moment when you ask for help is you're saying, no more. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 270. Today, we're talking about how to be a better dad with Larry Hagner. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Hey, welcome back, dear listener. I'm so glad you're here. Oh my goodness. What a year it's been. I have to tell you a story of something that's been happening in my life personally. So we were going to be sending my oldest daughter, who's 14, back to eighth grade in person. And so the school made sure that we got her tested (laughs) to do that. And she came up positive. And it was crazy because she was remote learning. She's super careful, all the things. The only thing we could figure is that she maybe got it at swim practice that she went to. But anyway, she had no symptoms whatsoever. So we feel really lucky. And now we're on the other side of it. We had to quarantine for 10 days. We got updates from the state of Delaware. We had to check in with them all the time. And she never had any symptoms. So we're really, really lucky. But it was hard. Like my daughter, we had to bring her trays of food to her room. I couldn't, you know, when we got the news just a couple days ago that she was out of quarantine. Oh my gosh. You know, I went and hugged my daughter for the first time in seven days. I mean, it was, you know, it was incredibly hard. And I had, I definitely had a number of uh, tears. So she would go out and walk in the woods near our house every day. You know, she would just take a little break from her room. She would take her mask and she wouldn't be with anyone. I would go out separately and like meet her in the woods and we'd stand 15 feet away from each other and I would talk to her and it was like so heartbreaking every time I had to say, okay, I'm going to walk them separately from you. Oh, man, 
this whole thing. And I know this is like nothing compared to what you may have gone through and and all the challenges that people are having out in the world. But I just want to share my own personal experience, feeling very grateful and very uh, free now that I'm out of quarantine and I can go do things, you know, masked and safely, but without as much worry as I did before. And just being able to get out, right? Like, oh, I can go to the hardware store now and we're all in the car together. And it was like so felt so good too. We all celebrated with some water ice and it felt so good to just all be in the car together and do something normal and, you know, cheerful and not just be stuck in the house. Oh man. So anyway, just a little share there before we dive into this episode. I hope that whatever you're going through, whether you're in the midst of something, you're on the other side or whatever, that, you know, I, I really think that my meditation practice through that time really kept me grounded because not only actually did we have the whole like quarantine, no contact with the daughter, we had a sick dog too. She had to go to the animal hospital. We had, uh, it was like, there was puke and other things in the house. It was like comical how sad it was. So anyway, a little share there from my own life in just a moment. I'm going to be sitting down with Larry Hagner, and he's creator of the Dad Edge podcast, and it's, it's been featured as one of the top dad podcasts on iTunes. The show has received over 5 million downloads, and he's also the author of two best-selling books, and he's interviewed some of the most elite humans on the planet. So I'm excited. You know, this is a great conversation. We're going to be talking about how can dads step up to the plate and become better dads to their kids. And, you know, Larry and I talk about this. We we debate a couple of things. In this episode, you're going to find out how dads can become better role models and improve marital relationships too. So I want you to listen for a couple takeaways, how we need to model taking responsibility for our mistakes, how dads, it's so important for them to create psychological safety for our kids. And then the other takeaway is about building patience and really starting from the moment you wake up and he talks about how he's done that. So I I know you're going to love this episode. I won't talk about any more things. Join me at the table as I talk to Larry Hagner. Larry, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Hunter, thank you so much for having me. By the way, I love your name. Cool name. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, it's, it's, you know, yeah, I've, I've always liked my name too, actually. But it was odd when I was like semi-vegetarian. My name is Hunter. That was a little strange. <laughs> <laughs> no longer vegetarian? No, no, no. Okay. no. I, I actually, I only mammals and fish now. Okay. I'm not, I'm not into the like the like, or no, I don't eat mammals. That's, okay. that's my, I knew mammals. <laughs> so you like fish and birds. Got it. Okay. So if it swims or flies. <laughs> swims or flies, I'm okay. <laughs> that's what we're serving but we didn't come here to talk about my diet um you i'm so excited to talk to you because you're like the dad counterpart to the mindful mama podcast which is so cool you have the dad edge podcast which is amazing and i'm of course i'm really curious like from my point of view like i know i started this because I desperately needed some help and wanted to talk to some good people about what to do to help me do better in this crazy job. So I'm wondering like, what, what got you into this? Why, what, what drew you to doing a, a podcast about uh, dadding? Yeah. So real quick for answer that question, I'll, I'll tell you, um, I, I love the fact that you love your name and I like the fact that I'm your counterpart podcast. I hate my name. I have oh. hated my name forever. I've got a funny story about that, but I, I do love your name. Uh, but yeah, you know, as far as podcasting and, and in the dad space and that kind of thing, you know, one day I just, I woke up and I realized I had all the answers for parenting. And I was like, man, I just got to share this with the world. Like <laughs> it's too good to keep to myself. And if you believe that, I'll tell you another one. Um, no, you know, dad edge podcast really came from, it came from a super dark place. Um, I'm not going to lie. I, and I don't sugarcoat anything, you know, a lot of it came from my childhood too. And I'll, I'll briefly explain that, you know, I, when I was, I was born in 1975, my parents were married right after, I think I was, I was maybe a year old. They got divorced. He left, didn't know him. Uh, four years went by. I remember being in preschool and I remember when men would come and pick up my friends from school and I knew what a dad was and we didn't have one. 
it was just me and my mom. And, but I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything. I just, my version of dads back then was moms go out and find dads. And my mom hadn't found one yet. So first time she ever brought a guy home, I was four. I'll never forget when this guy just walked in, he was wearing a, <laughs> 1979, he's wearing a trench coat, three-piece suit, double Windsor knot, mustache, feathered hair. He was a <laughs> white collar data processor, engineer, software engineer for Citicorp. And first question I asked this guy when he walked in was, are you going to be my dad? And this guy- No pressure. Him, right. No pressure. He's <laughs> right in the bar right now. And, but I, I thought that that's what, what was going on. They, get, they ended up getting married and um, they were together for six years and they got divorced when I was 10. Uh, he was a nice guy. He adopted me. And, but every year that they were married, it got worse and worse and worse. He was a heavy drinker, uh, mentally and physically abusive. He was never really there. He was traveling a lot. I haven't seen him since, since I was 10. And um, funny thing is, is when I was 12, I started asking a lot of questions like, well, where did I come from? And, you know, I, I know he adopted me. Like what my mom was like, well, I was actually married, you know, here's the wedding album and you have another dad. And I was like, why don't we see him? She's like, well, you know, we just don't, he, you know, he's not a part of your life. When I was 12, I accidentally ran into him as a total fluke. And just for sake of time, I won't go into the details, but I ran into him. Um, and we ended up having a relationship for like six months and, he was remarried at the time, uh, had a two-year-old son, another one on the way. And we hung out for like six months. And I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, I met my real dad. I actually have a, and I called him dad, like right out of the gate. And after about six months, I could just tell like after time, like, you know, how you, when you're dating someone and you just sort of feel like, man, this person, I just don't think they're into it anymore. Like you just kind of get that feeling. That's what I was picking up. And just one day we had a conversation and it just kind of went down like, hey, it's it's me, it's not you, and I can't really do this. And we parted ways. And that sucked. I'm not gonna lie. And then my mom continued to date and married again. She was married total three times. Every guy she dated was some sort of alcohol, toxicity, abuse, like just mm. dated the same guy, just different name, different face. And then I'll finish the story here. When I was 30. Uh, I was, two things happened. Uh, I was having my first son and I ran into my father again and it was crazy. I was in a Starbucks with a friend and he came walking in to get his morning coffee. I knew exactly who he was when he walked in. Uh, he hadn't changed much. It'd been 18 years and I won't go into the detail how we connected, but, but here we are 15 years later, we do have a relationship. He's still married to the same woman. I have two younger half brothers that I see a lot. Um, but you know, my experience with fathers growing up was terrible. You know, there was a lot of abuse. You know, half my childhood was spent without a father. The other half was with a toxic element of some sort. Mm -hmm. So it was really important to me when I had started having kids of my own. I was like, I, this, this stops here. Like I will not, you know, do this the wrong way. And what was I doing? Everything wrong. So for the first six years, I was your typical guy, short on patience, didn't know how to communicate with my wife, my marriage was mediocre at best. I wanted it to be amazing. I just didn't know how to do it. And I was so frustrated. I was so short on patience. I was, I was quick to anger. I didn't beat my kids or anything like that. But it finally, I did on the night I started Dad Edge slash Good Dad Project. My son, who's now 13, was four at the time. He stepped out of line and I spanked him. I'm not a spanker. I spanked him and he hit the ground. And I was like, oh my God. And I went to help him up and he was, he looked at me like he was terrified. And I was like, what am I doing? You know, like, what am I doing? Like, this is not, I wanted to, to raise my kids in the polar opposite environment that I was raised in, not the same. Mm -hmm. So I did what every adult does. I went into my office that night and got on Facebook. So I wanted to distract myself from what just happened. And I saw this button in the left-hand corner that said, create a page. And I don't know what it was, I was emotional, but the words good dad project just rolled off my mind, off my heart and onto that keyboard. And I just surrendered to, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know anything about communication. I don't know anything about marriage. I don't know anything about intimacy. I don't know anything about patience with my kids, but I'm going to learn. I'm going to, I was really good at my career, did really, really well with my career. And I was like, what if I took the same approach to my career, which I'm really hungry to learn. I want to learn more, be more, be better. What if I took that same attitude towards this? And I did. 
And so in 2013, launched the blog, 2015, launched my first book and podcast. And here we are six years later and still podcasting, still learning, still making a gazillion mistakes a day, just can uh, get out of my own way a little faster nowadays. Mm, Wow. That's an amazing story. And I can, I mean, it's heartbreaking to, to think about like the, the suffering that we pass on, right? That the suffering that your fathers, all of them (laughs) passed on to you and your mother, you know, and it, and no one was, nobody woke up with the intention to be a jerk. No one woke up with the intention to, to, to harm a little kid. No one woke up with the intention to, to be unkind. No one said like, that's what I'm going to do today, but this is just, it's such like, powerful evidence of the suffering that is passed on to us, you know, and we think about the, the suffering they must have had to have so much difficulty in their life that they passed it on, et cetera. And it just is like a, I don't know, it's just a powerful, I could really, as you were telling that, telling me that I could really kind of put myself in the, the shoes of my, of your, you know, you as this like 12 year old, like, and seeing that like, oh, well now it's kind of up experience. My, my brother um, is actually my half brothers from my mom's first marriage. I grew up with him my whole life, but I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of it because I was a little sister, but I didn't know that there were these times where his birth dad was going to said he was going to show up and didn't show up and all of these things happened. And he had, um, a lot of that like suffering. And I could see the, the, you know, the, 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 how it, it, it left insecurities and these, these wounds that, you know, uh, from the outside, you couldn't see is this like super handsome dude. And then, um, you know, these, these sort of hurts and wounds inside that, that we, you know, through, we put on the, and on these innocent kids, uh, not, by intention, right? Just by the suffering that's passed on. We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. I highly recommend this podcast. It's really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's sword fight. And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family. Follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs, and it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. 
So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. I heard a really powerful quote. I I agree with everything you said. And what we resist really does persist. And so it's like, well, I don't want to be angry. And I want to, I, I don't want to lose my patience. You know, it's almost like, don't think of an elephant. Yeah. <laughs> you can't yeah. help but think of it. So it's, you know, what we really resist does persist. So it's like just the fact that I was so focused on what I didn't want. It, it almost, it almost brought those things to fruition. Instead, you know, what we do now is focus on like, what does the end game really look like? What does success look like? You know, what is, what is an incredible connection with your wife look like? What is a good conversation or creating psychological safety within your kids? What does that look like versus like, I don't want to lose my patience. Right. So it's just a different lens. And, you know, and the, the one thing I'll, I'll share about my story is that, you know, I don't, I don't share that story out of pity. Um, my two oldest boys, like they'll ask me about my past and I'll tell them. And they're always like, I feel so sorry for you. I'm like, don't, I don't, don't, don't you feel sorry for me either? Because you know, it was such, it was such an, a, an amazing learning, you know, mm-hmm. did I feel that way at the time or even in my twenties and maybe even a little bit into my thirties? No, I didn't. I kind of had that more victim mentality, but it was, I'm proud of it now. And it was really good training ground, you know, for, for the good things that are happening now. Yeah. Like what a powerful catalyst, what a powerful teacher uh, that was. And to see, yeah, to see yourself like passing on that, you know, and I, I've had similar experiences I could tell you about, but um, it's, it's amazing. So where did you, you got yourself accountable, right? You got yourself some learning, you got yourself accountable to the world. What was, what were some of your first goals for what success would look like for you? You know, I think the, the one thing that I wanted more than anything is I wanted to create an extraordinary marriage. I wanted to create a legendary marriage. And here's some scary things, right? You know, if I look, we have almost 600 guys in what we call Dad Edge Alliance Mastermind, guys who do life with us on the daily, the weekly, all that. And, and we have a big community, which is really interactive. 80% of men who apply to be a part of that community want to create an extraordinary marriage. But here's the interesting thing. That's what I want to do too. I was like, man, I just want, I love this woman. I just want to be able to connect with her. I want to be able to connect with her physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, everything. I don't know exactly what that looks like though. So creating a legendary marriage was was definitely at the top of my list. Um, but here's the funny thing. You know, if you think about marriage, the most important relationship in our entire lives, right? Whether we stay together or not, still the mother of our children or the father of our children. But there really is no training ground for that. I mean, I just read here recently that it takes 990 hours to be a police officer, 990 hours of training, right? It takes eight to 10 years to be a surgeon, you know, eight years of medical school, two years of residency and fellowship. But when it comes to being married, the way society views it and the way we all view it is you walk down the aisle and everybody pats you on the back. It's like, oh, it, greatest time of your whole life. Don't worry, you'll figure it out. And here's the scary statistics for you. The statistics are these, you know, 50% of all marriages end in divorce. We all know that. What a lot of people don't know is the 50% that stay together are divided up into three camps. So one third, one third, and one third. So the first camp, one third of marriages that stay together actually identify their relationship as working or excellent or thriving. It's everything they ever wanted. The second camp, the second one-third, identify their marriages. That's eh, all right. Like, a little boring. It's not really everything I wanted. I don't really want to break up. I don't know. I like him. She's, she's okay. All right. We'll stick it out. And then the final camp, the third camp, is they don't like each other at all. They're roommates. They're existing under the same roof. There is no connection whatsoever. They're basically waiting for the kids to move out so they can separate. Um, and the two main reasons 
marriages stay together when they don't want to is for finances and the kids, that perception. Can't afford to get divorced and then we don't want to break up for the kids. But for me, it was creating a legendary marriage with my wife. And then on top of that, the one in second was to create more patience and a better connection and a better childhood experience for my boys. Yeah. You, you wanted to, yeah. I mean, both of those things, like we don't have training for either of those things. And these may be like the most important things in our life, right? Like they're the things that give us the most satisfaction in our lives ultimately. And yeah, we don't, we don't really know. You're right. Zero, zero training in that. So you, you talk about like, um, you know, uh, patience. I want to hear more about patience and improved relationships and connection. But since you started with marriage, um, what were, what were some of the, I mean, so, I mean, I, I guess for me hearing your story from what I'm hearing is that like, you know, you needed to heal some stuff, right. Before you were able to connect with them at all. Right. Like you had some internal work that you needed to do to heal these old, old wounds. What did you do to start that process? Yeah, I, I, I read a lot of books. Um, I, I did a lot of counseling. Uh, I joke with, I've been seeing the same counselor for 19 years, you know, just on and off. I, at this point, like I might see him like three times a year um, just to sort of check in on a few things. But it was really more of like self-education of, uh, I call it more of an evolution. So like, you know, I think in my, tw- in my late teens and 20s, like I had a lot of resentment. I had a lot of that victim mentality. I'll never have a successful marriage because I didn't see one. You know, I can't have good relationships because I, I never had that. Like all these really poor, poor things that you kind of say to yourself. But it was really a lot of it had to do with reading a lot, going to counseling. The other thing, too, is is really upgrading the people that I was spending time with. So in 2015, I, I joined my first mastermind. And I had no clue what a mastermind even was. I just knew that this was an elevated level of men that were focused on their marriage, that were focused on their business, that were focused on their kids and the connection there, uh, even on their spiritual life. And what I found in that mastermind is those conversations were much different Mm -hmm. than heading down and grabbing a few beers and watching the UFC fight with my guys, with my friends of mine who I went to college with, right? Where Where every single answer could be answered with fine, good, busy. Those were the three, you know, and that's about it. Tell uh, me more. <laughs> and I loved being in an atmosphere where it's like, hey, Larry, like, how are things going with Jessica? How's your communication? How are date nights? Are you asking her questions that you normally don't ask her? Besides, how was your day? How did you sleep? What do you want for dinner? Like, are you asking in-depth generative questions to really be curious about that woman's heart and soul and her mind and everything? And are you really listening? Like things like that, where you're really being challenged, right? To, to do those things and step out of, you know, what I would call the, the regular conversations that we have, but being a part of that mastermind was, was a total game changer for me. And what I saw when I joined that is that everything elevated in my life, my marriage relationship, with my kids, patience, connection, um, things in my professional life, even my most importantly, my mental and emotional health was elevated. So those were the biggest changes that I saw. Yeah. So you're talking about like doing that, doing that connecting, talking through understanding that deep reflection work, right. Right. And surrounding yourself with people who are going to hold you to a higher, higher standard and not bring you down. Now I imagine that it could be, hard to even just take some of those steps. Like you had some powerful motivation. You're like, this is like, I'm hitting some rock bottom places where I don't want to go. Right. So, because there's a lot of blocks for, there's a lot of blocks for like women who are told that it's okay to be emotional and and to talk about our feelings and stuff like that for going to counseling. Right. Like there's blocks for us. Like, so there's even more for men to say like, hello, I need a hand. I need some help to do that. Was that like a, was that initial step, like a hurdle to overcome? Because I'm imagining the listener and I know like in mindful parenting, we have a, we have tons of women and we have some men and and some men it's hard to, it's hard to take that, that step of like, well, let me examine my, my own childhood. Let me examine 
the way I am act, interacting with my kids to actually take that brave step to look at it and say, oh, this actually isn't so good right now. That takes, that's a big leap, that initial leap. Was that part hard for you? It was, it was really hard. And that by far, if I'm speaking for all men, that is the hardest part. Most men live a quiet life of desperation silently. Right. And so we were quietly, I wouldn't say miserable, but we're not necessarily satisfied in, in several areas of our life. And a lot of it has to do with, we're not necessarily satisfied with things that are going on with us. Sometimes the biggest bully in a man's ears are the, is the voice between those two ears, right? The way we talk to ourselves, asking for help is the hardest thing for a guy to do because we identify it as a moment of weakness. But that's a, that's a lie. That's a lie that we tell ourselves. It is actually such a moment of courage because what you're doing in that moment when you ask for help is you're saying, no more. I'm not going to live like this anymore. I, am, I, I refuse to live like this anymore to where I'm not getting everything that I possibly want out of my marriage. And I know I'm not showing up as the man that I truly want to be in that relationship and I want that relationship to be amazing. And I'm not being the man or the father that I truly want to be for my kids. And I'm not going to stand for it anymore. I'm not going to say everything is fine. I'm not going to say everything is good. And I'm certainly, and I'm tired of saying I'm too busy not to do it. So I think it, it, you, you reach a point and I think every guy, I think most guys reach a point where they're like, yeah, life is short. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna live this way for the rest of my life. There's a quote that I heard from a podcast guest, and I use it all the time. The definition of hell is meeting the man that you could have been when you're laying on your deathbed. And I I don't I reached a point, and I maybe it was when I spanked my son that I was like, this is not gonna happen anymore. Like the way I envision my life and the way that the guys who do life with us envision their lives is on our deathbed, we just want to be smiling with content. Like, mm -hmm. hey, whatever life has in store for you after this one, whether that, you know, you, you're, you're with God in heaven or whatever that is, is that you enter that, that next chapter with a smile saying, you know what? I gave it everything I had. I left no stone unturned. I connected with people and my wife and my family in ways that I wanted to, that I needed to. And when I was stuck, I reached out for help and I did it with every single thing that I possibly could. I don't have any regrets. I feel good. And was it always pretty? Of course not. But it was, it was amazing. And I would do nothing different. And that's the life. I think if most men could just picture that, mm -hmm. like if, if you were to fast forward your life 40 years from now and you're doing the same things right now, what would you have done different? What conversation at, at 80 years old would you have with yourself right now? And what would you tell yourself to do? And I think that's the sense of urgency that men don't see because we're, we're living so much day to day and we're maybe thinking about the next day or maybe the next week if we're lucky, but we're not, we're not necessarily thinking of that long game. That pers perspective. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. Like if you're on 40 years from now, what you know, what are you going to look back on? What are you going to see? Get, you know, get, get that perspective to, to get out of that day to day. I, I love that. So when you, when you look at you, so you talk to a lot of guys and you talk about relationships and things like that. What are some, what are the most common mistakes that fathers are making in, in parenting? And, and I'm wondering also specifically about like, like, what are some of those things like for you, you had that wake up call, right? Of the spanking. Like, so for a father, for dad, maybe who's listening to, to this, like what, what are the things that you should, that he could look for are, are signs that maybe that a change needs to happen. What are those like mistakes? I think the first sign by far is, is to just get really real with yourself and just ask yourself, is this everything that I thought my life could be? my family, my connection with my kids. And if that answer is no, then absolutely action needs to be taken. And as far as like, you know, and I think for, for, for a lot of men, that's very overwhelming. Like when I, when I talk to a man before he joins our community, our mastermind, I always ask, what has your attention right now? And it's always one of five things. So we call it the five dimensions of being a husband, being a man, being a father. So those five dimensions that always have our attention that circle the mind and heart of a man is number one, managing your personal finances, your family finances, 
Um, 50% of divorces, so the divorce rate is 50%, but half of those divorces are due to financial stress and strain because people just don't know how to manage finances. But if, if men knew how to do that better, it would relieve some stress. That's one of the minor ones though. Mm -hmm. uh, optimizing physical, mental, emotional health. The first thing a man will usually do, and he does this from a very noble place, is he completely puts self-care on the back burner because he thinks his perception is, that, well, if I sacrifice myself, I'll be good for everybody else. And that's that perception is is so incorrect. If you're not taking care of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, you can't possibly show up for the woman in your life or the, or your kids. So optimizing that. What I would say has the attention of probably seven out of 10 men is creating a legendary marriage. And in order to create a legendary marriage, there's four elements and a foundation. The four elements are self-care, partnership. Partnership is the not so sexy side, which is the finances. It's the schedules, it's the chores, it's the roles. You do this, I do that. Then there's friendship, and that's like a deep knowing of each other. That's do we like spend time together? Or we do we have things in common? And then there's intimacy and lovers. And you don't have to explain that one to any man. We all get that. Underneath those four pillars, there's a foundation of communication. And if I can identify one area where men are always like, I want better communication. Men will tell you that. I want better communication. I'm like, well, what does that look like? And they're like, I don't know. I want better. I want more. More and better is not, is not a measure. Within communication, you have tactical empathy, you have emotional validation, you have active listening, you have labels and mirrors, and most importantly, another Achilles heel for men, believe it or not, is being able to ask for what they need, want, and desire, and to do it in a not-so-needy way, but a, but a confident and empowering way, not an overpowering way, but empowering, right? And so that's, that's legendary marriage. And then the fourth element is connection with your kids, creating memories, patience, psychological safety, where your kids will tell you anything. And then the final one is leadership. So those five elements, if I look at any man's life in, in, in like a fishbowl, those five dimensions is usually what has the attention of a man. And when, when a man comes and talks to us about what he wants to do, I always say, what has your attention? And like I said, seven out of 10 times, it's marriage. And then usually right after that is parenting. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. 
With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. So maybe one of the, some of those signs that like you're you're needing some help, maybe you're you're not feeling that friendship you're with your wife, or you're not having that good communication with your wife um, or with your kids, you know, they're if it's not feeling good, right? Like if they're like, I just want better, right? Maybe some of those signs are like they're yelling, like it's just like the dis- a, a disconnection, it's frustrating, all that stuff, would you say? It's frustrating. So with kids, it could be like losing your patience. You know, another way it shows up is my kids won't talk to me. Mm. That That's your first sign that you're not creating an environment of psychological safety with your kids. They don't feel safe telling you things because of maybe past of how you reacted and that kind of thing. With your wife and communication, and you know this better than anybody, and, and I've had to learn these lessons the hard way. Um, I don't fix my wife's problems unless she asks. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but I, but I think for men, you can't just coach a man to say, don't fix your, fix your wife's problems because then mm-hmm. he's like, okay, well then what do I do? Mm-hmm. And then when I say something like you have to use tactical empathy, tactical. Yeah. yeah I was going to ask what yeah. is tactical empathy? I'm not sure every listener's Tactical empathy, tactical empathy is a skill set that you can use not only obviously with your wife, but with your kids. Uh, you can use it at work, but I'm sure you've talked to somebody and you're like, I don't know what it is about that person, but I feel number one, really good to, when I talk to them, like they're really listening to me. And I feel like I can tell them anything. Usually what that person has a skill set, whether they know it or not, is tactical empathy. And tactical empathy is a way to connect with someone in the trenches and identify exactly what that person is feeling. And it's empathy, not sympathy. So I'll give you an example. When my wife comes to me and she's like, oh my God, I feel like I have so much to do. Like we're having this. And this is a real example where she's like, we got this huge birthday party tomorrow. I got to clean the whole house. These kids are messing it up. Like no one's helping me. Like this is you know driving me crazy. I'll be like, well, tell the kids to get off their PlayStation. And why are you getting so upset about this? Like the house is going to look the way it's going to look. No one's really going to care, right? Like it's fine. It'll be fine. Nothing, uh, nothing makes her feel more invalidated. Thanks a lot, Larry. <laughs> nothing, nothing makes her feel more invalidated than if I respond like that. Mm-hmm. But tactical empathy looks like this. When I respond to her, it looks like, feels like, sounds like. What I usually do is I pick one of those two phrases. Feels like you're really overwhelmed right now. How can I best support you right now? What feels right to you? And just let her talk. And then the more she talks, I'll, I'll use things like um, like labels and mirrors or tell me more, right? And I, I can get into that if you want. But I never ask my wife why, because why even subconsciously will put someone in in the corner or or you know, you feel like conflict, right? Because it goes back to when we were like two years old. And why are you doing that? Why are you crying? You have to, you have to defend yourself. You have to defend when yourself. You have to, when someone asks why. Right. So part of tactical empathy is tell me more. When, you're, when you ask, it's the exact same question, but you're inviting. Give me more information. What's going on? And what I have found is as long as I'm doing 10% of the talking and 90% of the listening with my wife, that creates an incredible environment of psychological safety, emotional validation. She feels heard. She feels seen. She feels appreciated. And we're also together. And sometimes I'll even ask, be like, do you want me to offer some suggestions or do you just want me to listen? I'm happy to do either. And she'll tell me. That's the cool thing. She will tell me what she wants. And sometimes she's like, I need, I need you to give me a solution or I need you to help me with this. Be like, cool, let's do it. Or she'll be like, I just need you to listen. I'm like, okay, great. I'm just here to listen. So, um, that I think is effective communication, you know, is just being in order to be a better communicator, you first have to be a better listener and tactical empathy is to make it really simple for men. Sounds like, looks like, feels like, and insert whatever emotion you think she is feeling. Tell me more. How can I best support you right now? Don't fix her problems. That's so beautiful. I talk about this in raising good humans. We talk about this in mindful parenting that reflecting back of like, you know, what, what you're, you know, saying and simplifying into the, like, you know, what this looks like and feels like is, you know, I'm seeing you, I'm hearing you. And yeah, sometimes we just need to vent, right? Like we just need to be heard and we just need to say these things out loud and it can be so 
healing to be heard, right? To be really truly listened to. It's like a, a, a healing tool and it's a tool for connection. Like, it's like, yes, you know, you're, you're sh really sharing that, that heart space, that mind space that, you know, that whole thing. And it's, it's bringing you together rather than driving you apart, which is amazing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. So hear what Larry said, three magic words. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. So now with kids, now I'm curious about how, what did you change? Because you obviously wanted to stop spanking. And we know that like spanking, you know, all the research on spanking is shows that it leads to no good things. It definitely doesn't lead to any kind of connecting re relationship, right? Which is what you're wanting with your kids is like a connected, warm relationship. So what did you, how do you start, how are you holding boundaries now with your kids with, without using the threat of physical punishment? So that's a that's a big question, and it goes goes in line with patience. So I'll, I'll go uh, I'll, I'll go in a couple of different directions here. So here's a, I just launched a course on creating more patience, mm -hmm. and basically what I did was is I took six hundred and something podcast guests, all the parenting experts we've had, everything that we've learned in our master mastermind from experts and that kind of thing, and I literally weeded it down to thirty a uh, thirty seven minute course. So what I can tell you, number one. Patience is not a feeling. Most of us are like, oh, like I should be more patient, you know, or why can't I be more patient? You know, why can't I have the feeling of patience? It's not even in our DNA to have patience. Patience is a skill that we hone, right? And so I'll give you an example of a few things in the course. Patience can be built actually throughout the day. It's, you know, so patience, your level of patience starts the moment your feet hit the ground in the morning. So I'll, I'll give you an example. I do not check my phone or social media or anything until 8 a.m. and I wake up at four every morning. Uh, my Those four hours are strictly for morning routine, self-care, um, journaling and all that good stuff, right? So not that I need four hours to journal, but I take like 10 minutes, but no social media. The reason for that is because, or emails or text messages or anything. And that unfortunately is the one thing that people do. They grab this thing first because it's also their alarm clock. And what happens is, is when you're on social media or text or email, doesn't matter, you're being agitated. Your fight or flight response is actually being agitated. You could see something on social media. It's like somebody's highlight reel that you can't stand. You're like, ugh. Or you get an email from your boss. Hey, I need this report today. It's due today. Or you get that text message like, hey, I need you to do this real quick. Why, why you were supposed to get to me, get back to me yesterday. You immediately are in a fight or flight response from the moment you get out of bed. And you've basically set the stage for the entire day that you're probably not going to respond very positively to anyone. So if anything, have a very solid morning routine and don't consume any news don't consume any social media. Don't be on anybody else's agenda for at least a couple hours. If you can, at least 60 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing too is um, there are ways to recognize when you're being triggered. We're all, we're all triggered. We're triggered all day long. Um, but there are physical and mental and emotional triggers that we feel. Like, so for instance, when I'm getting agitated, I'll start to have incomplete thoughts my heart rate will go up. My hands will start to sweat. I'll start to like clench my fists, right? I'll feel myself getting heated up. Now, in order to interrupt that pattern, if my kids are doing something where I'm getting, you know, ticked off, a lot of us blame ourselves for getting internally impatient or upset or mad or annoyed. And it's not necessarily what's happening internally. It's, are you going to completely lose it externally? So we can do certain things like count backwards in threes from 50 to zero. Now, of course, you never get to zero, but if you go, you know, 50, 47, 44, 41, 38, you know, what you're doing is, is you're creating space between reaction and response. If mm -hmm. you can just create some space to think logically, you're less likely or um, box breathing is another one. Mm -hmm. The other thing too is um, I'll use tactical empathy when I want to react because if my kid's flying off the wall and I'm pissed, be like, looks like you're really upset right now. Tell me what's going on. 
versus like, why are you crying? Stop. You know, I'm not great at it all the time, but I do try to insert that. The other thing too is um, we will screw up. We will lose our patience, right? Yes. And when, and, when, and when you do that, what a lot of men do, and we do this quietly, is we sabotage the heck out of ourselves. Like, God, like, why, why can't I be better at this? Why can't I be a better father? I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't react like that. And it, I just did two things in there. I asked myself a really poor question. Like, why can't I be better? Why can't I do this? It's a really poor question. Our brains are like Google. If we ask questions like that, really poor answers are going to come back. You want to know why you're not patient? It's because, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're this, you're that. Uh, the other thing too is we should on ourselves. We take a big steaming pile of should on ourselves with our questions. I should do this. I shouldn't do that. So what I like to use is the how might we question, how, how might I question. The next time this happens, how might I be more patient? Hmm. What did I miss? And, and then the final thing is, is, is an after action review. If you lose your cool, you know, go back to all these different tactics and understand where did I go wrong today? Like, oh, I immediately checked my phone and I was, I was a maniac on email because I had to get back to all these people. And I, you know, I was in fight or flight. I didn't recognize the triggers and I didn't do X, Y, or Z. So that's, that's number one um, with patience. As far as creating psychological safety where your kids will tell you anything, I mean, I've got two teenagers now and I am absolutely floored by the amount of information they'll share with me. Dishonesty, wrongdoings, all these things, then they'll come and tell me about it. But we live by a quote in this house. The quote is, your honesty and ownership is celebrated and not punished. Mm -hmm. So if my kids come and tell me something, I applaud them, appreciate them, and acknowledge them for their courage. And we embrace that. Now, if there's wrongdoing, the deal is, is if you come and tell me, you won't be punished. The punishment is the natural consequence of whatever that is. But I'm not going to take away your phone. I'm not going to ground you. Everything is a status quo. Now, differently, if you're dishonest with me, that's a different story. But what I find is, is when you create that environment, the kids are very forthcoming. They tell me more information than I, sometimes I'm completely floored and shocked by the things that they'll share. But it all comes from your honesty and ownership is celebrated, not punished or shamed. And that's wonderful because when they come and talk to you about things, you can, they can learn, right? Instead of, if they're not punished, then they can learn, you know, they, their kids, they're inevitably going to make mistakes. They're inevitably going to like impede on other people's needs and do stupid, reckless, (laughs) dumb, annoying things because they're kids. And, but if they can tell us about it and they can tell us about it without fear of punishment, then they can learn, right? Then they're not, they're not in their fight or flight, you know, response and their, their whole brain is available to, to then be able to learn and to be able to actually have awareness of what are all the consequences of, of what I, what I said or what I did, et cetera. Um, and to, to deal with it. And, it, and it's beautiful also too, because when you're not using your power like that, um, it makes it so they're not resenting you, right? They're not, they're not saying, oh, now I did something wrong and I'm going to push back against you because you're making me feel terrible because I, now I can't do this, my play Minecraft or watch YouTubers or whatever it is, right? Like, um, you know, I, you know, I'm looking instead that child's looking at themselves and saying, oh, I did this thing and I can look at myself rather than like push back against you and blame you, which is so beautiful. So I I just want to highlight this dear listener, because what Larry is um, talking about here with this idea, with the idea of patience, starting with talking about patience and talking about our triggers is saying that no good comes of us losing it, (laughs) being impatient and yelling and, and, and those threats, but a lot of like really good connecting things come and a lot of learning comes from honesty and a flow of communication. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. That must've been a hard, I mean, cause so I'm with you there. So I was a, like when I'm super, super frustrated, like my old habit energy is to, it, you know, that I was just like raised with is to like, think about that threat. That's like the thought that comes to mind. And 
I, at first I, I thought, you know, when I was raising my girls, I, I remember thinking, um, when they were little, I remember meeting a family who used some timeouts and who didn't use timeouts. I'm thinking like, Oh, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's crazy. And now I'm in a place where I haven't used like threats like that or punishments like that in a decade or more, you know, and our relationship is closer and stuff happens around the house. It's not always perfect. It's not always pretty. Like sometimes it's annoying. Like they're annoying. They do stupid, annoying things because they're kids. But yeah, like there's not that like total resistance and total break, which you, uh, what I'm, what I'm hearing from you is that there's not this, you're not getting like the classic, like teen rebellion. Your kids are like running away from the house and that they hate you all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's, it's literally been the opposite. Um, you know, I, obviously it's not all sunshine and rainbows around here all the time, right? This is more of a practice and I do screw up. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also very humble with the kids. Like, I, I don't know how you were raised, but I was raised in, I'm the mom, I'm the dad, you're the kid. I'm right. You're wrong. Like there, mm -hmm. there was no apologies. There was no nothing. Right. Uh, in our house, um, I probably apologize to my kids three times a week, you know, at least sometimes daily, you know, depending on what's going on. And, um, but I think showing that humility, you know, when, when there's, and, and here's, here's the other thing too. Um, my kids are shockingly honest and they'll be the first to admit when they're at fault, which surprises me at, at 14 and 13, the two older ones, the two younger ones, not so much. Um, but it really shocks me. And the only thing that I can possibly think of is that when I do something that isn't in line with who I am or my core values or raising them, I'll be the first to be like, Hey man, like, look, <laughs> I'm really sorry. You know, it doesn't make what you did right. Right. Cause I got upset, but the way I responded to you, that's not in line with the father. I want to be to you, the man that I want to be to you. And I am from, from one man to another, I, I, I want to apologize. Can can I ask for your forgiveness? Mm -hmm. And um, one thing I've noticed just with the boys is that they're very forthcoming with also being like, Hey, I did this, you know, and then they ask for forgiveness. So, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of ownership there, which I, I've, I've loved seeing. You're, you're modeling that just so beautiful. Larry, I could talk to you for, for a long time about all of these things. Um, there's, there's so much to talk about. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about um, just one last question to kind of bring into this here is that, you know, for the partners, whether they're, they're you know, mo moms and moms or dads and dads or moms and dads, what can the partner do to support their spouse or their parenting partner to just help them be better, especially if they're more at the beginning of this journey? What, because it's, it's hard to see it's, you know, I know a bunch of listeners who listen to the podcast who are learning so much, right. They're learning so much. They may be in mindful parenting and learning like a tons of new things and their partner may, you know, may not be at the same place in that journey. What can that person, how can they support their partner? Wow. That's such a good question. Um, I think one of the things that people can do, and this is just, you know, this is married couples. It could be on parenting, it could be anything else. And this is something that I've truly have tried to live by over the past few years. And that is approach every interaction with appreciation and curiosity, not expectation and agenda. So, and it's human nature to approach every interaction with expectation and agenda. You know, Hunter, if I'm going to come talk to you, it's because I have an agenda and I expect something at the end of it, right? And we do that with our wives. We do that with our kids, especially when we see someone operating maybe not in line the way we want them to, or we think that they could do it better, or they're not on the same page as us. But I think it's it's so important to approach that person and truly understand what it is they're doing and why they're doing it without asking why, right? Because another quote that we live by in the home is, However, someone is operating, it makes total sense to them. Mm -hmm. It may not make any sense to you, but it makes total sense to them. So if you approach someone with an observation, be like, you know, hey, I, I saw this such and such, 
you know, tell me what's going on. You know, tell me what's on your mind. I, I notice, like, so for instance, if I notice my wife is stressed out or something, or maybe she's burnt out or whatever, I won't be like, what's, what has been wrong with you lately? Like, why are you so crabby? <laughs> right. Um, there's part of me that thinks that. And, I, and she does the same with me. Yeah. But I'll be like, hey, I, I've noticed, um, I, I noticed this feeling of tension lately. And um, is there anything I can do? I, 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 feel, I feel like there might be something going on. Tell me about it. And she will. And she'll be like, I just, man, I haven't had a break. You know, it's like, it's been, you know, quarantine and coronavirus and like homeschooling. Like, I feel like I'm, you know, stuck in the house and this and that. And I go, great. Well, if we were to wave a magic wand and you could, you know, do something to alleviate this, what would it be? She'd be like, oh, you know, I'd, I'd really love to go to happy hour with my girlfriends. Great. When do you want to go? You know, things like that to where like, instead of like being demeaning towards the person of why they need to be in line with what your expectations are, or even pushing them into a corner of being like, why are you acting like this? Approaching that with curiosity and appreciation, I think is the best way to go. Amen. I love it. Yeah. Kindness and curiosity. There's like the core uh, attributes of mindfulness, right? Is like the exactly. attitudes of kindness and curiosity, curiosity, the opposite of judgment, right. that opposite side of the spectrum. So awesome. I love this, Larry. I could talk to you about those things so much. I hope it's been really, I know it's going to have been really helpful for the listener. When for people who are curious to learn more about you, you're obviously a podcast listener, dear listener. Larry's got the Dad Edge podcast. You can find it where you're listening to this podcast. And where else can they find you, um, Larry? Well, for right now, I mean, we're doing a, a rebranding here. Uh, you can find everything at gooddadproject.com. Uh, we actually have a, a brand new free resource we just launched a couple couple months ago called 21 Days to an Extraordinary Marriage. It's totally free. We don't want anything from you, but in that particular resource, you know, teach teach men in particular uh, three skill sets on how to connect, how to emotionally validate, how to date and pursue your wife again without an agenda, but to actually have the intention to actually connect with her. Uh, I even give you the script, you know, the basically lay it all out there, and all you have to do is go execute. Uh, but yeah, the podcast can be downloaded anywhere where podcasts are, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Well, thank you so very much. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate the work that you're doing. I really appreciate your honesty and sharing your story. And I know that that honesty is hard won. And I, I really, um, I, I think it's doing a lot of good in the world. And I know it will do a lot of good from, from this conversation. So thank you so much, Larry. Well, back at you. Thank you for having me on. I love how Larry advocates for that psychological safety for our kids. I mean, this is so, so important, incredible. So I hope you liked this episode. Remember, you can see clips from this episode as well as short teaching sessions from me at the Mindful Mama Mentor YouTube channel. When you go there, please make sure you subscribe so we can grow this channel and get the information out to more parents, share it around, and let me know what your takeaways are from this. Are you going to be sharing this with some dads in your life? I would love to know. And then finally, just a quick reminder, if you are interested in learning more about the Mindful Parenting Teacher Training Program, we are going to open up a session of it for fall of 2021. We are enrolling now. Enrollment will close this spring for that fall session. So go ahead and head over to mindfulparentingcourse.com slash teach to learn more. And uh, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of this community that is revolutionizing the way that we parent and the way that we relate to kids. I really think that it's a ground up revolution. I'm so happy that you are here and part of it. Thank you for supporting the podcast. And I'm so, so glad to connect with you. I wish you peace. I wish you joy. I wish you groundedness and all the things that you need to be able to show up fully in this one precious life that we have. So thank you so much. Namaste. I say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. 
and just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clarkfields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You will be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.